Let's stand together. I want to read one verse of Scripture found in the book of Acts. This is um, probably familiar for, for many that are here today. There may be some that are not um, fully aware of all that was going on around this text that we will read, but I do want to uh, take a few moments and lift it from the Scripture if I can. This is Acts 10, verse number 44. The Bible said, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them. All them which heard the word. While Peter was speaking, while Peter was preaching, while Peter was delivering the words that God had given him, the Bible said, while he was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell, came into the place on every person that was there, filled the house where they were. The Bible said, fell on all them which heard the word. Anybody thankful that he just shows up and when he shows up, everything begins to change. We'll come back in a moment and, and look at a few more verses, but you may be seated. Thank you for standing as we read that 44th verse. I want to talk to you for a little while about the most important moments of one's life. The most important moments of one's life. We, we, we have a lot to say. Do you know anybody that has a lot to say? Yes, Faith, you and I are on the same page. Yes, my wife told me I preached too long in the first service, so basically she was saying, you had a lot to say today without... I mean, that would have been nice to say it that way, but she didn't. She just said you went too long. So, um, you know, you, that, you only get by with that when, when you've been married 28 years. And, you know, and like a good husband, I didn't say thank you, babe, for letting me know that. I appreciate that. I'm going to try to do better. I just said, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and, and Chris was in the car with us, so Chris gets to see how marriage works 28 years later. I mean, when you, when you first start out, you can be offended and you can get upset and say, oh, I cannot believe I, I was under a heavy anointing and God was, no, I was just talking and I felt good about it and, and so I'm fine with it. <laughs> and she's fine with it. She just wanted to remind me that, that she's still a part of my world and, uh, and that she can say what she wants to whenever she gets ready to. So anyway, we, we, we can say a lot of things about a, a, a bunch of different stuff. How many knows that? I mean, it, we can do that. We all have opinions. Everybody has opinions, right or wrong. They're your opinions. You own them. You appreciate them. You like them. And honestly... We don't even care if anybody else agrees with us or not. It's my opinion, and, and that's okay, and that's the way it's going to be. And, and I, I have a lot of things to say, and uh, some things are, are certain in our lives. Some things are just in the realm of, of absolute for us. I mean, this is just certain. Well, you've read the story, you've heard the story um, about the... The lady that was preparing a meal and someone questioned her about uh, why she was 
cooking the way she was cooking, what she was fixing, and why are you fixing it that way, and why is it in that dish, and how come it's like that, and she had to explain to them, well, this is the way my mother did it, and, and this is the way our family always liked this particular dish, and we eat it like this, and it's part of the recipe, and has to be made this way, so it turns out a certain way, and so they decided, well, we're going to um, ask your mother, and, and the inquiry went forth, forth and Mom, why, why do you do this? Your daughter said, you know, that it's part of the family, that it has to be in this dish because it, it, it will taste a certain way, and, and this is part of the recipe. And she said, well, uh, I do it because that's the way my mother did it. And so, so they're like, okay, so it's a part of the recipe, it's a part of the family, it's the way it tastes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So they decide, well, we're going to ask the grandmother. And they go back to the living grandmother, and they're asking her, where did this come from, and why do you fix it in that kind of dish, and, and it's part of the recipe, and your granddaughter said it's the recipe, and your daughter said you have to have you, this ingredient, it has to be in that kind of pan, or it's not going to turn out right, and on and on and on. They go through the deal, and they ask the grandmother, who's aged, now why, where did this come from? Why She said, the reason it's in that is because I didn't have a dish that would fit it any other way, so I used that one. So... You know, here we are two or three generations later and people are like, this is part of the recipe and, and it's not going to taste the way it's supposed to taste unless it's just like this and this is the way it's always been done and I'm certain about this and, and this is... M-. And then you go back two or three generations and find out, well, I just didn't have the right size pan or dish so, so we put it in that and that's why we bake it that way. So sometimes we're, we're certain about things and then, then in the midst of all of that, the truth comes out. And what we, we had so much to say and so much to talk about, and, and we, were, we were absolutely certain it had to be this way, then we find out it really didn't. It was just the size of a pan that I didn't have uh, prepared that day, so, so I went another direction. And, and it's, it's kind of like that in this story. All right? In the story in Acts 10, it's, 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 it's familiar for most of us, but you have a guy that the Bible uh, clearly defines through, through the testimony of Scripture that this guy, whatever is, whatever the definition of having it all together is, this guy had that. He had it all together. The first verse starts this way in Acts 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So immediately we see he's, he's not a nobody. He's a recognizable man. He has a name. He has um, influence. He, he's not a vagabond, if you will. He's in a certain place. He's established. There's so many uh, things that I could talk to you about concerning this man, but I want you to see who he was and where he was coming from. He was a centurion of the band, the Italian band. He is, he's risen through the ranks. He's arrived at a place of position. He's, he's high-ranking. Uh, he has authority. His career is obviously secure. It's set. It's, it's not um, fluctuating or wondering if you will. Everything is together. He's been at it for a while. He, he's a good man. He's not hiding somewhere. And the Bible says in verse 2, he's a devout man. So he's religious. He's sincere. He has all of these right qualifications. 
He's not only in his career set, he is in his religious life, his devotional life. He's, he's got it together. He's devout. He's not a hit and miss guy. He's not show up whenever I want to, whenever I get around to it. He's there every time the doors are open. He's, he's living a way that uh, others can look at him and say, that's an example of a religious man, of a de- of devout man. It goes on, one that feared God with all of his house. Not only did he have uh, it all together in his career, not only did he have it all together in his personal life, his devotion, but he had it all together in his home. How many times have you ever had everybody in your home on the same page? You don't have to have a dozen people for that to happen. You can have like two people in the house and not everybody be on the same page. And sometimes, depending on where you are mentally, you can be at home by yourself and not everybody be on the same page. But, and I'm going to leave that right there after the last week we've had. But anyway, you, you can get to places where you seem like you can't get anything under control. This guy's whole house is fearing God. His whole house is honoring God. His whole house is under the same umbrella of of influence. And and he goes on and says, He gives much alms to the people. And he prays to God always. He gives in an abundant way. He helps people. He prays not occasionally, He prays continually. He sees needs and He meets needs and He's not waiting on uh, big days or certain opportunities, but He's all involved. And, And here is a guy that has it all together. I know people that have their career together, but their home is a nightmare. I know men that have their home together, but they are absolutely a lazy infidel. I know people that have, they're spiritual. I mean, with God, they walk on whatever cloud way past 99 is. They're like living on that cloud. But they can't hold a job down. They can't pay a bill. They can't be honorable. They don't know how to treat their family. They're horrible at their... Come on, you find a guy that has all three of those most important things in place, you better grab onto him. Do whatever you can because that that doesn't happen often. That their career and their devotional life and their family life, everything, all the boxes can be checked and you say, that is an example, right? Have you ever considered that's who Cornelius was? He was the perfect idea and model of what it should be as a man. But notice the next verse. The next verse said he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius! And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. I preached about this 
in times past surrounding a Memorial Day. So I, I won't go into it there, but he was so committed and he was so devoted and he was so sincere and he was so consistent that the Bible said God could not overlook his devotion. God could not overlook this man's prayer. God could not overlook this man's giving. God could not, even though the man was a Gentile, God could not overlook him. God could not ignore him and run on to another need. He could not just act as though this guy didn't exist. His prayer and his giving, his manner of living had built a memorial before God that God had to recognize and could not get around. That's amazing to me. And here's what he tells him. Send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. I mean, what else do you expect from a man? He has his career together. He has his religious devotions together. He has his home together. And God says, there's a little bit more. And some of us are just trying to get one of those right and think God's good with it. He had all of it right. And God said, you need to meet a guy named Peter because he's going to tell you what you need to do. Well, I'm giving. I'm helping the poor. I'm praying always. I'm leading my house. I'm bringing money home. I, what are you talking about? I have a name influence. And I want you to see how quickly this story could have changed and how the outcome would have been vastly different. If he would have taken offense at that statement, go find another man. Okay, please. Please understand, I'm not throwing off on Peter, but Peter was not Cornelius. Peter was a jerk to most people. Peter offended people. Peter was brass. He went fishing for days on end. He probably came home and his wife, how long are you going to stay on the boat? When are you ever going to get home with this family? I don't know. But I can only imagine he, like he'd pull his clothes off and just hang out fishing with all the guys with nothing on. Peter was not Cornelius. Read his story. Peter, it was like, it was like me and Justin. But, you know, that's beside the point. <laughs> Things are just crazy. And, and the angel says, Mr. Perfect, go see Justin. <laughs> he's like, go get Simon. And this is where he's at. And when you get not just anyone with any message, okay, not just any Simon, in two verses, you have two different men with the same name. This is not an accident. There's some clarity and, and definition that's coming to this. Not any individual can tell you what God wants you to hear. So he said, you're going to find one in Joppa in a specific place. His name is Simon. His surname is Peter. 
he's lodging with or he's staying with a guy, Simon, who is a tanner. And his home is not just in Joppa. Go find a tanner. Go find anybody. He said, go find the one that his house is by the sea. You see, the Bible doesn't have to be this specific. If God doesn't want to be this specific, He doesn't have to be. He could just go say, hey, go find a guy named Peter and things are going to be better. But many of us live our lives as though there's no specifics in the things of God. That there's no definition in the things of God. That it's all just open and buried and and pick and choose and do what you want. Not everybody has the word that we need to hear. Not everybody has the message. This guy's life was intact. And God said, but there's more and there's only one person who can tell you what it is. Why is it, David, that we always want to run from those people that tell us the truth? Why is it that the people that hold the key to our future are the ones that we get the most upset with and run from? He could have done a background check on Peter before. I mean, he's in the military. He has connections. I mean, you just don't bring anybody in when you're in his position. He could have said, wait a minute, i got to find out. we got to go through some security checks here and find out what level of clearance he has. Who is this? What are you talking about? If he wanted to, he could have taken offense at that and said, if he's not better or more or qualified or something, he's not coming in my presence. He said, okay. He's going to tell me what I need to do. He's going to tell you what you need to do. So the Bible said he sends men to Joppa. I mean, that's, I have to do my own errands. I can't get my daughters to do them, but he sends men. I mean, he's way, way beyond where I am. I mean, way beyond. Madison and I go round and round to get anything done. But anyway, this guy's like, he sends men. I can't even get women to do stuff, much less men. I mean, I'm just giving her a hard time. He sends men. He sends men who say yes to his command. Yes to him. And and how do you explain? uh, I had this vision from God. (laughs) And I'm going to need you to go on a mission to find someone else that has a word from this God. (laughs) And they're looking at you, David, saying, you're good. No, I'm not doing that. But you can. So there's men that go to find this man named Peter. And when they get there, this guy Peter is having his own struggle. And his struggle is, I'm a Jew. Nobody else gets this but us. This is exclusive to us. This is our national Now, new fangled 2.0 religion, this Jesus deal, and this is only for us. And he's struggling because God is moving on a Gentile. And, and, And he's going to use a Jew to deliver a message to a Gentile who the Jew wanted nothing to do with the Gentile. And so, 
in this side, on this side we have Cornelius who, in all the things that we talked about this first few minutes, is that he was sincere. You have to see in his life that he was sincere. He was completely sold out and sincere. On this side, you have a man who God starts speaking to and he puts up resistance to this. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. I'm not eating that. I'm not going to do that. And, and God said, well, wait a minute. If, I, if I'm telling you you're going to do it, then don't you say you're not going to do it. Whether clean or unclean or common or uncommon. And, and Peter's saying, wait a minute. I, this vision that I'm having is of all of these unclean beasts that are in a sheet and they're being held up by the four corners and this is being let down. And I'm hearing, eat this, rise up slay this and eat it. And he said, I can't eat this. I'm a Jew. That's unclean. I can't take that in my body. And God's trying to tell him, things are about to change for you. And what you could not do before and what you were not willing to do before, if you're going to be used of me now, you're going to have to let that go and sacrifice it all for the bigger cause of the kingdom. And so, while, while, while he's... Fighting with God, the men are knocking on the door. They found the house by the seaside. They found the tanner. They found by questioning. Where, yeah, Peter's there. Yeah, that, that guy's there. That crazy guy's there. That, yeah, he's over there. there. He's staying at their house. And see, God doesn't let us. I, and, and I don't know that I'm going to get through. I got through all of it in the first service, but my wife said I was long. So I don't know that I'm, I'm getting. I don't know that I'm getting through all of it today, but. Nevertheless, God doesn't afford us the luxury of easing into obedience. <laughs> you have children. If you have children, you understand what I'm talking about. If you say to them, whatever, do whatever, and they say, okay, I'm going to get to that, but it's going to take me a few weeks. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get to that, but right now, I'm working on some other stuff. I, I'm, I'm, it's going to take me a few months. to. That's just not part of my interest right now. You, are you going, as a parent, saying, okay, I'm going to give you about six months, and then, the, you know, I know I would rather the room be clean today. I think it would be important if the room was clean today because we have family coming over. But if you can't accept that quite as quickly, then maybe six months from now, just take a little time and over, ease into this obedience deal. <laughs> and then, and then, then I, I, am, I am certain that everything will work out great next year when we get around to this does that does that work like easing into it this is what this is the pressure and the moment that God puts Peter under men are at the door and he's on top of the roof saying I don't know if I will I don't know if I want to do this I'm a Jew I'm not eating that and God's saying you better make your mind up now you're fixing to miss your opportunity God's saying you better do it now or, or this, this may never come back around. So sometimes in our living for God, we want to put off. 
We want to push it away. We want to say down there, I'll work. And God's saying, wait a minute. That This day may never come back to you. You may never have another man that's at the level of hunger that that man and sincerity that he was standing at your door saying, tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. You may not have that. So you can't wait till you come around to it or decide that's what might be best for your life. So, so Simon has to sacrifice these ideas that he had of who could and who couldn't and who deserved and who didn't deserve. And, and he had to swallow his religious pride and everything that he did and surrender it to the purpose and plan of God. So in one of these individuals, we have sincerity. In the other individual, we have complete surrender of of self-will and and ideas and thoughts and the way it should be. So the man of sincerity is there at the door and the man that had the message to give to the man of sincerity is trying to decide if it was worth laying everything down for. I'm, I'm saying all that and I'm really taking my time because I want... I want you to notice that with Cornelius, his past acts, giving, praying, leading, all those things, devotion, all those things we talked about, his past, when God spoke to him that day, he could not live in yesterday obedience. He had to act in present obedience. He had to look at the men and say, go find Peter. He could not say, well, I'm a good man and things will work out. So many of us live in yesterday's experiences and we forget that what God wants is today. God wants right now. God wants, this is the opportunity. God is saying, walk in obedience Now, present faith. And then you have on the other side a man who has the message, but he has all of his own ideas. This is the way we bake this. This is the way we present this. This is the way we cook this. This is the only way it works. This is the way why it tastes the way it does. And God's saying, wait a minute, that's your opinion, and that's what you have to say about the situation, and that's your certainties in your life. But truth will always take precedence over for wherever you are. And so we have God pushing Peter to say, don't live on something of yesterday. Act in obedience today. In present surrender today. Because present surrender is what will make the difference. So so two men coming from two different directions, both of them facing situations that they had to try to get through, and he was challenged to surrender to the plan. Peter had to decide. Am I going to go answer the door? Am I going to quit fighting with God? Am I going to step out and and do what God's saying? Or am I just going to keep going? So many people are wasting their opportunities in God trying to argue with Him and change His mind about your life. The, the quicker you surrender. Just lay it all down. Just stop fighting. Just stop resisting. 
Just stop arguing. Just, just, just lay it all down and surrender. He had to surrender. Here's what happens many times. People that, that, that come and sit among us, and, 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 and we're all included in this, but I want to draw some, uh, some conclusions here for you. People come among us, and, and, and they're doing everything they know to do. And they're trying everything they know to try. And they're working diligently. Here's a man that was devout. Here's a man that was a giver. Here's a man of prayer. Here's a man of all of these uh, promising things and accolades that you could give him. His career, his religious life, his family. We talked about it all. Here is a man that's coming knowing I need more. I didn't know I need more, but now I know more. I need to know more because God said I need to know more. And I have, so I'm willing. So people come among us. And if we're not careful, we will discount the fact that they have anything from God that brought them to where they are because they're not just like us. That's where Peter was. That's where Peter was. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? I'm a Jew. I've got it all together. And this man is a man of prayer. This man is a man of giving. This is, this is a man whose memorial of, of all of those acts had been built up before God that God said, I've got to do something about it. I don't, I don't read that about Peter's life. I don't read where God said, oh, Simon Peter's life, it has built such a wonderful memorial, I'm going to have to do something. This guy had something that Simon didn't have. But we can get to the place where we put ourselves in a position higher and greater than others, and that's where he was. And God was dealing with him about that. So, I want you to see here, I've, I've taken the time to draw the picture of two lives. And now let me, let me bring some things together. So Peter responds. And he goes to Cornelius' home. And when he walks in, Cornelius' home is full. Of family and people he had influence with and friends. They're, his house is full. And Peter has a group of individuals with him. And they're coming from his past and his background and what he was comfortable and used to. And, and it's almost like you can easily draw lines right there. That it's us against them. You can say, oh, here's all these lost people. Here's all these people that don't have a clue. Here's all these people that are, and, and, and I'm over here. And look at all of us. We've got it all together. and we're Could have easily gone differently. But Peter stands and begins to proclaim what God Wanted him to share. And there's verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And while this man is speaking, he's speaking to sincere people. And he's speaking from a place of sur a surrendered man. And when surrender and sincerity come together, the Bible said, while he yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell. You want to know why the Holy Ghost doesn't fall more? Because one or the other. Someone's not surrendered or someone's not sincere. But when you get sincerity and surrender together, all of a sudden God says, that's a place right there where I'm going to pour my spirit out and something is going to drastically change and dramatically be different. And so I can't come... 
to the pulpit. Matt can't come to the pulpit. Others that come and preach, they can't come to this pulpit without being surrendered because there are times that for us, God challenges our way of thinking. God challenges what? Our comfort zones. God challenges where, where we're good. Peter was challenged by God and when he surrendered, that was only in the place of surrender that God could do something great. We can't come here every time with everything figured out and everything just the way we want it and we can't come here. And, and please understand, I'm not speaking of anyone specifically, but we can't come here and cause there to be a line between the pulpit and the pew and think we'll ever get anything done for God. I'm not here to put you down. I'm not here to send you to hell. I'm not here to try to hurt you. I'm here to deliver the word that God knows you need to hear to take your life to the next place. But it works the other way too. I can't preach. Matt can't preach. Others cannot preach to audiences that are not sincere and have no desire to hear what they need to hear to change. I preached in places that I begged God to never send me back to before. I told my wife leaving places after revivals, I hope they never ask us to come back again because I have no desire to ever go back again. The worst church, the worst people, the worst... I've been in those churches. There's nothing more miserable than trying to deliver some, to someone what they need to help their life and they have no desire to receive it. It's like preaching to a, that block wall. Just for 45 minutes, just screaming at it and <laughs> hollering at it and doing tricks and flips and juggling and telling everything you know and expo- and they're like it's like why waste your time and why waste God's time nothing's going to happen the only way something's going to happen is if you show up sincere only way something's going to happen is when you show up saying, I got all these other things together, but there's something that he said that I need, and I need more of it. And so whatever it is, here I am, God. Talk to me. And so in that place of a surrendered voice and a sincere heart, God pours His Spirit out. And the Bible said the Holy Ghost falls on all them which heard the Word. There's a big difference in hearing and listening. Hearing and listening. There's a lot of stuff going on, but we're not always listening. We can tune stuff out. We can just turn stuff off and we can just be in our own world and all kinds of commotion and things going on. But, But if we're really listening... When I was growing up, my father... Uh, the neighborhood that we lived in, in when I was young was in Humble, Texas, and uh, we lived in a development called Northshire, and our street was Cantor Trot, and there were other streets around there, and I would, uh, I would go over, play with friends, and the night would start coming, the evening would you know, draw in, and, and it would be time. We didn't have cell phones. We, we, I think we had smoke signals, but I'm not really sure. I do know we had cans and strings, but sometimes our string wouldn't reach over two or three streets, so it was kind of hard to keep up with everybody, and we didn't have Live 360 or any of those things. But anyway, what, what, what would happen is, see, what had happened was my dad would walk out on the front porch, 
and, and I just hear. Now it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't like on and on and on kind of stuff. It was like. In other words, you better hear. You better be listening. <laughs> you, I know you're playing and I know you're. You could be like in Fort Knox. You could be in a, sound, a movie studio. You, you could like no sound. You could be in your friend's house with everything blocked off and, and you're like deep in the basement and in the inner prison. And this is like four streets over and you can hear one little. And I knew I better be moving toward the house. Or I would end up in Robert's house, the tanner, but not the same kind of tanner, by the tanner of Hyde, but not the seaside kind of tanner. It was, I would end up, when I got home, experiencing my Acts 10. <laughs> it's a whistle, and I knew I better be listening. Because if he had to come find me, it really would not have been when God, I didn't push him there. I pushed him on other stuff, but I didn't push him there. Because it was, it was, it was serious, and here's why it was so serious. It was serious because as soon as I'd walk up and get on the porch, he'd say, you need to get in out of this night air. <laughs> I did just what you're doing. And if he came back from the dead right now and said, get in from the night air, I'd do the same thing. Right now, I'd be saying I, I, don't, I don't understand. He, some, for some reason, he just thought, you need to come in when it got dark, because if you're in the night air, you're going to get sick. The night air makes you sick. Day air doesn't make you sick. So, so <laughs> I would say, why? It's like 6.30. Like, times have changed, you know, and, and like, like 6.30, and like, what, like, we're not going to bed for hours. I got to just sit in here and get in out of this night air. You're going to get sick out there. Okay, and so I live my life with this fear. I have this fear of night air, I guess. I, can I confess to you today, I need some medication. It's, it's the night air deal, and it happened when I was 10. And I, the night air. But I had to hear. It wasn't his responsibility to hear. It was my responsibility to be listening for something. So here's the beauty of the text is that the Bible said it fell on those who heard. There were people, there's some that come among us, have no sincerity, have no desire to hear, have no desire to change, absolutely like their life being a wreck. They just like to tell everybody how bad it is, but want to do nothing about changing it. Because if you really wanted to change it, you'd hear the Word of God. And when the Word of God is being delivered in your sincerity, the Holy Ghost would fall on you and change would happen in your life. You would not have to leave here the same way you came. You don't have to go home the same way you came. Because at the moment that surrender and sincerity come together, the Holy Ghost shows up and the Bible tells us exactly what happened. It's this moment the most important moment of one's life. All this last week, all the stuff that you and I have been through and done and been involved in and everything that's happened, none of that, not one moment of this last week holds a candle to this moment right now. Because what none of that could do for you, this moment can. What none of that could fix and work out and turn around and get on track for you. 
This moment can. Put yourself in the, in the shoes of those in the text today. That they were, they were in Cornelius' house. And better, I mean, the best way to put it is they were at church. They didn't have buildings like us. They didn't have Sunday morning at such and such time. They, did, they, did, they didn't do what we're doing right here. And so their church was when they got together. Their church was in their homes. There. And so the point is when you come to the place of meeting, come with sincerity. Because if you come with that in your heart and the man of God comes with surrender in his heart, God is going to show up in that moment and change is going to happen no matter what the pain no matter what the struggle, no matter what the problem is, you have to be hearing for that moment to transpire. So many people come to church and their minds on Facebook and their minds on their schedule and their minds on where they're going to eat and their minds on what they've got to do. I promise you, listen, nothing's going to happen for you. I'm glad you're here. But don't expect to leave changed. If you come sincere, you come and you turn your phone off. You come in and you forget about work this week. Did you fix it all last week? No. Then what's making you think you're going to do it this week? The answer is in this moment when the Holy Ghost begins to fall in a house. When the Spirit of God begins to show up. We can't be distracted. We have to be engaged. And if we are, healings, cancers, heart disease, depressions, sins, struggles, hurts, all of these things are brought in and the healing power of our God comes among us and deliverance is wrought and healing is administered and help is given and grace is displayed. God, help us to realize This is an important moment. This is an important moment. And it's important every time we get together that we don't miss what God wants us to encounter. This is what the Bible said. You can stand. I'm going to close here. So the, the preaching has transpired and the Holy Ghost has fallen And the Bible says this, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Those that came with Peter, they were amazed, they were astonished, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were struggling with the same thing that Peter had been struggling with. They were watching these people receive this gift, and they cannot, they're amazed that the Gentiles are getting it too. When they thought it was just for them. Can I tell you that what God has given us is for everyone? It's not just for us. God help us to be open when people come around that don't even know this. To, to not say this is exclusive for us. This is, just, this is for whosoever will. He said let him come. Amen. And so they're astonished when this happens. And for they heard them speak with tongues. They said the Gentiles are speaking in tongues too. Just like we spoke in tongues. And you're talking about years later from Acts 2. From Acts 2 to Acts 10, it's been a decade or so. And they're saying, hey, they got what we got. How do we know it? They're speaking in tongues. Listen, listen. Cornelius was a giver, a prayer, a devout man, a religious 
giant in his community. It wasn't, they said, he prays, he's just like us. He gives, he must be a Christian. He loves God, he's devout, good to go. The Bible said it wasn't any of those things that convinced them. Because there's a lot of people that pray and give and volunteer and live righteous and do what they can that don't have this. The Bible said they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then, Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? That these should not be bad. Leave Cornelius alone. He's a good guy. His memorial reached heaven. He doesn't need to do all that. Leave them out of it. The Bible said, he said, can any man forbid water? Should, should we just stop right there? But that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them. Doesn't say he suggested to them. You ought to think about easing into baptism in the next six months. You're already saved and you're already good and everything's good to go. But if you ever get around to it, just kind of ease into it. The Bible said he commanded them. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. When sincerity and surrender come together God shows up and when he shows up he changes everything